0: From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Telling Telling it as it is, the Aussie Cossack, on today's News Talk,
1: TNT Radio. Here we go, here we go for the Aussie Cossack Saturday Night Live show, the final hour going from 8 p.m. tonight, Sydney time, up until midnight. If you're joining us, congratulations, Uh, you are... uh, more than welcome to leave your comments in the comment section on any of our platforms on X, formerly known as Twitter, YouTube, on radio.live in the comments section. And uh that was a very nice uh session. I will call it a session, not a not a conversation, but a session with Maria Z. Uh talking about the corruption, the lies, the hypocrisy, and the cover-ups of the Australian government. The cover-ups extend to all avenues of government power in this country. And one of those people who has been uh, making a dent into the government cover-ups for the last few years in his uh, neck of the woods in uh, regional new south wales the monaro region in particular is andrew thaler who uh, ran as a candidate in the last election as independent candidate he's well known in the area The police call him a public nuisance, a troublemaker. The media doesn't like him. But a lot of locals think he does a great job in keeping the pressure on. Uh, We do have the same solicitor, Mark Davies. What a surprise. Mark Davies is everywhere. Every time there is a freedom fighter involved or there's someone who is uh, fighting for freedom of speech or doing some type of anti-government action, whether it's from the left or from the right, Mark Davies seems to be involved. He's a great solicitor, Mark Davies, Xenophon Davies solicitors. They've got an office in Canberra and Sydney. I'm very pleased and more than happy to give him and his firm a plug on the air because he also represents Andrew Thaler. Andrew Thaler uh, being at the centre of a few different uh, sticky situations and run-ins with the law, uh, but always manages to win because you know why? He's on the right side. Andrew Thaler joins me now. Now, Welcome to TNT uh, Radio, Andrew. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Andrew. uh, There was uh, some news from Kuma, your neck of the woods. I'll call you the sheriff of Kuma, the people's sheriff, uh, because you're always across (laughs) what's happening, whether it's Professor Spitty spitting in the face of you, the famous no-voter, or it's uh, a constable Christian White, uh, the one who shot uh, poor old uh, Claire Nolan. uh, God rest her soul and her memory. Uh, There has been a development. Bail has been varied uh, last three days for the cop over the taser death of the 95-year-old. New South Wales police officer accused of fatally tasering uh, 95-year-old great-grandmother Claire Nolan has had his bail conditions varied after facing an upgraded manslaughter charge. Senior Constable Christian White, 33, appeared at Cooma Local Court before Magistrate Roger Clisdell on Wednesday for the first mention of the charge related to the death of Claire Nolan. That's how the mainstream media puts it on Channel 9. Uh, Why do they call it related to the death? Why don't we just call a spade a spade? It's a killing, not a death. It's a killing. Let's just say what happened. He killed her, didn't he? Well, he did, and his defence would
0: be heavily reliant upon. He didn't intend to kill her. He used a non-lethal weapon, the taser, which is supplied by the New South Wales government. And it is promoted by the manufacturer and by the government, by the police itself, as a non-lethal control alternative to a handgun that fires nine millimetre bullets. So, yes, his actions led to the death of Claire. But he will be saying in his defence, well, I didn't actually want to kill her. I just wanted her to drop the knife, which... When you see him, he's, what, six foot something tall and he's a big fellow. He's huge. And she's five foot two and 45 kilos. Um, Most people were, were struck by the insanity of it, that he was so poor in his judgment and in his actions that he just, even is reported to have said, look, bugger it, I've had enough of this shit. And then tasered this old lady. And in the training and in the operating procedures, you are not allowed to use tasers on children, elderly, and people with any mental impairment. That's actually well, in there the there you rules. go. Well,
1: that story uh, was uh, brought to light uh, by some whistleblowing from yourself. You were criticised by some uh, for revealing that story to the general public. Uh, I personally uh, think it's a great thing uh, that you made that story come to light, because otherwise the police would have covered it up. How many times does this happen? How many times does someone who has dementia or mental illness uh, get shot or killed or bashed or um, worse by police uh, on a uh, regular basis in this country? It's been happening for years and years, except in Claire Nolan's case, the news was uh, very quickly revealed and they they could not sweep it under the rug. But it took them a few days uh, to charge that uh, police officer, Constable Christian White, Initially, they didn't charge him. What is it with Kuma Police? They have a very uh, serious problem with charging people in a timely manner. Same with the no voter, the sorry, the yes voter, Professor Spitty, who was only charged uh, after weeks and weeks and weeks of public pressure, including on the airwaves here at TNT Radio, uh, where you put the pressure on. And that video that went viral that uh, you took of that uh, lady, uh, Denise Ferris, uh, Denise Ferrell, as some people uh, refer to yep. her as, um, got over 60 million, 60 million impressions across social media platforms. Uh, but what's the latest on that as well? Uh with uh that's also Kuma police, isn't it?
0: It's it's a Kuma police matter, and it's in the Kuma court. So she was charged with common assault, and that charge is uh it describes multiple incidents within the assault. So there's the spitting, there's hitting, and then there's more hitting within the actual incident itself. So it's a charge of assault particularized by repetitive physical actions, spitting and hitting. So she was uh, represented by a lawyer on uh, audiovisual link on the television in the court. And they asked for more time to make representations to the police. And that basically means that the Spitty's lawyer is going to write to the police and beg them to drop the charge and try to say all the crap that she said in the in you know the public, where she put out a media release saying, Andrew made me do it. And I was trying to block his camera. I mean, the most insane excuses. So that comes back to court um late january and then the matter will move on so there'll be another mention and there'll probably be a question to say well how does your client plead will she plead guilty or will she plead uh not guilty and if she pleads not guilty the magistrate will probably order a brief of evidence be served and then there'll be several more appearances and there'll be argy-bargy with the lawyers and what have you before we get to a hearing. The hearing might not be
1: till May um, if she continues to defend it. Well, there you go. So that's the system geared up to give her every chance possible to wriggle out of the situation, representations, delays, adjournments. It will be uh, potentially years or at least six months to 12 months six to 12 months for that to even happen now coming back to Christian White another uh character from the Kuma police uh local area command uh what do you think mm-hmm. the prospects are for Christian I mean that charge of manslaughter carries a maximum of 25 years in jail and the question is will it be a jury hearing or will it be a judge hearing What do you know as you were there in the courtroom uh, this week uh, witnessing uh, what was going on? What can you report to us? Uh, Correct. I've gone to all of the court appearances
0: and sat there and I've taken detailed notes so I can relay outside accurately because I don't trust the media and not very many people do anymore. So the charge of manslaughter was added within the last week by the DPP, the Director of Public Prosecutions in New South Wales. And Mr White Christian was on a bail condition. Basically, it was a simple condition to appear at court if and as required, unless otherwise excused. So it's it's not even really a condition, is it? It's pretty obvious, it's what you got to do. So the DPP, told the court that the bail had been varied, and the magistrate was pretty angry about that. Again, this is the second time. So what had happened is that the DPP had proposed two new bail conditions. One was to surrender his passport, and the other one was not to travel overseas. And, of course, they're synonymous, aren't they? Who can travel overseas without a passport? So the magistrate gave the DPP another serve, another piece of his mind. And I think rightly so. He explained that a bail application is made to the court for the court to decide. And it's a secondary issue that if the defendant agrees with it or volunteers to comply with it, that's separate. So if the DPP had have applied for those extra bail conditions, the magistrate would not have granted them because they're ridiculous and they should have been put on at the very beginning and they weren't he wasn't what was the scene
1: both. outside court were there protesters there or was the family oh, there there, were.
0: there was a lovely lady marie twist traveled down from Kayama the day before i've um i chat with marie a bit and keep her updated and so she traveled down her husband was in care and had dementia and um she knows what it's like she was so moved by what happened to Claire that she wanted to come and say that this is wrong and it doesn't have to be like this. And so she turned up with some white feathers for Christian. And she wondered whether it was too old world. I mean, Marie's fairly elderly. She wondered whether anybody or even Christian would know what it meant. What, what does it mean? mean? What does it mean for our audience? Cowards. It's a uh, it's a present you give to a coward. So, for example, World War I, World War II when we had uh, moments of conscription or when the government was desperately calling for more volunteers, some people didn't want to sign up for the war and they were given white feathers in the mail, they were left at their door, they were passed to them in the street and it's a version of the old tar and feathering punishment from centuries ago where you'd cover someone in tar and, and cover them in white feathers, you couldn't get them off and everybody would know that they, that person was a coward. So she was giving a white feather to Christian because he's a coward with the way that he conducted himself on that night with Claire Nolan. And uh, Michael, mate of yours, he came down and uh, he was the fellow that got razzed up by the police when he turned up to the protest at the Parramatta HQ when there was a protest saying, why the hell hasn't the cop been charged? And the police singled Michael out for the the Aussie Cossack treatment where they checked his car over and he's got a 1964 Nissan Patrol, so they, could, they couldn't find much other than he had a faulty blinker. And so they've given him a ticket and they gave him a defect, but they didn't give him any defect. They actually grounded his vehicle, so it had to be towed away on a tow truck. I mean, that's pretty mean. So. Kuma is not the only police area that has mean police. I think you know that, if anyone I've seen No, I knows. just Kuma
1: police have a habit of being very mm. delayed and selective in the way they approach investigations. I know this because okay. there's the Claire Island situation, there's the Professor Spitty situation, and then there's one more uh, investigation, and that's currently before the courts, which has a suppression order on it, but that was a very slow, slow decades in the making process concerning Kuma and the uh uh defendant in that matter no oh, there's more oh. there's more don't forget Mr Hitty. so when I
0: got spat on I also got hit by the husband of a labor counselor so Mark Smith is married to Linda Summers Linda Summers is a labor party counselor on the Snowy Monero Regional Council and he hit me repeatedly it's all on video And the investigating officer in Cooma Police has twice recommended to the command that Mark Smith be charged with assault. And command, which is actually John Klepturak, based out of Bean, they are dragging the chain because, might surprise you, Mr Smith used to be a policeman in Albury. He was a detective down in Albury through the 1990s. We know they look after their own. So Mr. Hitty is still waiting to be charged. The police official position, as told to my lawyer Mark, is that they command is waiting for legal advice, and the officer in charge has now twice recommended and referred
1: Mark to be prosecuted for assault. Unbelievable that this Kuma police Just station played. has Kuma police station has this. Uh track record of being so slow in processing charges i mean it's a small town isn't it kuma everyone knows everyone and people there uh they know of you you know some some people in town love you some people don't like you um uh, why is that you think uh, andrew
0: uh well more people like me than than don't like me most of the people that don't like me are national party voters and they know that i went head to head with john barilaro who was the former deputy premier in new south wales Now, people might say, oh, you you never had a chance. I never ran to get elected, I ran to make a difference, I ran to expose the issues. Chronically underfunded local government, over uh, promising by politicians, telling the people that you're going to get enclosures on your pool so you can have your pool open all year round and then nothing happens five, six, seven years later. the. The issues of the corruption of our politics, the dirty deals that have been done, the weird developments that are sort of rolling along in the background. I expose it all. The financial incompetence, the waste, the illegal debt collection activities by Kuma Council. I expose it all. I mean, today I did a live chat, it was a sad one, about 40 minutes long, it's a lot of information, and I had to read out of a government report. That the wild horses up in the national park were shot. I'm gonna. I want. want to ask them. you about
1: this. The situation. Uh, the government shooting horses, shooting brumbies. That's a very uh, interesting story. Uh, our listeners and our viewers are going to want to hear about that. Uh, thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition, using helicopters, shooting Australian brumbies. Uh, but stay tuned, keep watching, keep listening. We're going to go to a very quick break and we'll go back to that story with Andrew Thaler on Saturday Night Live with Aussie Kozak.
0: TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers or violent drunks or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to Guard and protect completely helpless. Air Marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called Air Marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground Marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio.
1: I'm just going to do a little voice. Up.
0: I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day and looked at myself in the mirror and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing. Everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse.
1: That's not supposed to happen.
0: What do we do now?
1: D trans, the dangers
2: of gender affirming care. For more information, go to prageryou.com. I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once.
1: This is today's news talk radio, TNT. Welcome back to TNT Radio. Uh, broadcasting live uh, for this Saturday night the 9th of December isn't the year coming to a very quick end uh, slowly but surely it's been a very uh, hard year we thought 20, 2022 was bad uh, well 2023 was probably even worse so there's plenty to reflect on including uh, many government blunders police errors and we will never forgive them anymore whenever that we have a chance to trip them up and point out their wrongdoings we will be there on the case and one man who is always monitoring the situation in his neck of the woods the monaro region uh in uh central new south wales i believe it's central or is it central west what would you call a tantrum southeastern southeastern there you go <laughs> yeah. southeastern so, of course it's close to uh sort of queen bean canberra that area exactly right uh <clears throat> but is it, is it very hot today where you are? Because it's been a bloody scorcher in uh, Sydney. I know temperatures go up to about 40 degrees in western New South Wales. Yeah, well, I live at
0: Nimitabel, so we're 1,100 metres above sea level, and I think we got 32 here today. But we had a heap of rain last night as well, so the humidity was off the charts. And for us, that is super hot. But uh, we got the cool change about 5 p.m., and it took all the heat out. It was
1: beautiful. Yeah, nice breeze coming through Sydney in this time of the evening as well uh, on the uh, easterly from the side of the ocean through Edgecliff over here at the Russian consulate. But look, uh, this story of uh, Christian White, uh, the the, uh, granny killer, the cop, that uh, is a story which we need to keep reminding uh, the media, uh, the mainstream media, because it wasn't their story to break, it was your story to break. They jumped on the bandwagon later and now they're there at the courtroom they're running the headlines but uh, they wouldn't have done it unless you broke that story so congratulations another whistleblower uh uh, uh another situation because it's not the first time you've uh uh done this uh, and you've said to us tonight that you do have a few fans in the area you do have some enemies in the national party uh, john barillaro uh, who you ran against in the election also deposed he was by a client of mark davies that famous solicitor uh mark davies also represents friendly geordies and friendly geordies is the bloke the youtuber who was credited with destroying the political career of uh isn't it interesting again how all roads lead to mark davies this this is the uh person of interest which the government uh, uh really uh uh must dislike but uh He's a good man and he's a uh, quite an effective solicitor. So again, uh, Mark Davies, uh, I'm sure we'll invite him on TNT Radio to have a chat and ask exactly why there are so many of these um, freedom fighter types in his uh, client portfolio. How did you meet Mark, Andrew? I had a court
0: case and a set of allegations that were languishing in the district court supposedly for a jury trial for four years and they could never ever get them to run in the court they were fabrications and the evidence was very weak but the DPP would not drop it because they knew I'd go them for costs and a friend of mine was studying law and Mark had a a, a young fellow working for him who was also studying law together and during an, an a mutual assignment they were swapping stories about ridiculous court matters. And mine won the won the list for the most ridiculous court matter. And and they said, well, we should tell Mark. And they told Mark. Mark rang me up and he's actually said, this is the stupidest fucking case I've ever heard of. What was the case? Um, it was a, an allegation that I intimidated a woman at the rural fire service headquarters in Cooma.
1: That's it outrageous, outrageous. but you, you got off that charge and i've heard you got off a few charges so congratulations uh-huh. on that there you go uh, andrew from the monaro region uh he is uh, one of those men in society uh who uh, i think uh, is doing an excellent job at keeping the bastards honest uh thank you very much for joining us we've got we got enough of local politics we have to say goodbye to andrew because we do have a huge situation brewing the world so thank you andrew we have a situation with the Russian presidential election so we're going to cast our mind back internationally uh, over to the other side of the world and cross live now to Crimea to the Crimean uh Peninsula is it a Peninsula or is it a uh they call it you know in Russian they call it a half island but it's a region of Russia that is uh joined Russia in 2014. Crimea uh, is a place that now receives the third highest funding of any region in Russia moscow being the first highest second highest uh the uh st petersburg or the leningrad uh region uh sergey is joining us now sergey uh are you there on the phone from crimea can we hear loud and clear
2: hello simon glad to be here today with you so i can hear you i hope you can hear me too
1: excellent sergey for our audience sake you are a crimean political scientist we uh love to chat with you because you're a very good uh english speaker but you're based in crimea and you're right across the russian uh political situation uh of course this week's breaking news and uh, that's making headlines dominating headlines in social media and the media everywhere uh, in fact still uh all day trending at the top of x the word putin with two hundred thirty-five thousand posts Uh, The whole world is talking about Vladimir Putin. And uh, it seems that less and less uh, negativity, more and more positivity, Uh, people are very impressed at how four Su-35S fighters escorted the Russian president's plane and actually disabled the USS Dwight Eisenhower's ability to launch planes in the Persian Gulf by jamming uh, their radars electromagnetically, causing a 24-hour paralysis of this American aircraft carrier. Now, that in English is what I call a boss move. Uh, the fact that he had planes escorting him two and a half thousand kilometers across the Middle East all the way uh, to UAE, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia. Very impressive. Um, what do you make of this? Do you think it's correct? It's a, it's a boss move, it's a power move. And Putin is showing those optics, projecting that power, flying around the world with a small, a fleet of jet fighters escorting his presidential plan
2: well first of all i'd like to uh, return to the beginning of your speech and thank you for the compliment surrounding my english speaking i believe it's far from being perfect but thanks and now when we speak about this topic as we talked uh, previously on one of the episodes of your show uh today It is very important for a great power to show that it is able to defend itself on a global scale. And defending itself on a global scale basically means having a weapon which can, uh, in case of emergency, protect uh, its citizens, its officials, uh, and, of course, its president. So uh, this specific case, is just one of many, uh, which are happening around the world, uh, in, uh, on the land, in the air, on the sea. Uh, countries regularly do something like this using their technical resources. So this is, uh, can be seen as a power move, of course, because it's one of the necessary things for great power to show that this is still a global power.
1: Well, global power projection is uh, one thing that uh, Russia uh, is showing and that was a definite power move. I I, I love how the uh, United Arab Emirates uh, uh, greeted Putin and it was a show of force with uh, a display of uh, epic, epic uh, hospitality. Horses, camels, uh, convoys, Russian flags. Um, Do you think... uh, This is a sign that the Americans are losing their influence and hold over the region. Is it a bit defiant, you could say, of the Emirates and the Arab leaders to show that type of uh, obvious and strong and robust support uh, to Vladimir Putin at a time where uh, the United States is stationing its aircraft carriers uh, and aircraft carrier groups off the coast of Palestine?
2: I agree with you completely because uh, this is a, exactly a great sign uh, of the uh, Arab countries uh, supporting Russia in many ways. So this huge celebration uh, of the Vladimir Putin uh, arriving to the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia too, uh, this resembles the way that uh, those countries are interested in cooperating with Russia and interested for quite many reasons, I shall say. It is, of course, especially uh, uh, interesting to see the way that Saudi Arabia changed its uh, geopolitical uh, positioning, I shall say, uh, because as we know, for the previous decade, uh, two decades, Saudi Arabia was uh, heavily allied with the United States and was uh, often uh, dependent on United States weaponry. However, now, Saudi Arabia is choosing to uh, have its own independent policy of course surrounding the Middle East and Russia currently provides I shall say an alternative way uh, of geopolitical structure in the world. Russia is the country that declared uh, its key goal to build the multipolar world which isn't dominated by the United States alone and our world is pretty interested in it because uh, Muslim countries were, I should say, targeted by the Western countries uh, in that way that West was heavily interested in promoting uh, its Western ideology within those countries. So Leaders of Arab nations saw that there needs to be some changes in geopolitical way to protect the, the civilizational uh, boundaries, their the things
1: we try. i mean i mean you crazy. could see the way the way the arab leaders were greeting putin high-fiving him shaking hands is it's it's this over-the-top display of power of uh you could say you know masculinity in a way really and, and where the west is declining in that sense and becoming woke you got putin there high-fiving ramzan kadirov the chechen leader also attending the delegation uh very powerful uh imagery very powerful scenes Uh, Who was this aimed at? Who was this aimed at in particular? Do you think it was the United States? It was an obvious candidate, uh, the Russian um, delegation and its uh, very strong hospitality that it received. Uh, Definitely, that was a backhand, a slap in the face to the Americans and, of course, perhaps maybe the Israelis who traditionally thought that they enjoyed a very strong relationship with Saudi Arabia. Well, I agree with you
2: with almost every point beside one. uh, There was definitely uh, a targeted United States influence. It was also a great interesting sign, especially when we look uh, at the meetings uh, of the uh, Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates leaders with uh, delegates from other countries. For example, case with German delegates. You remember probably this episode, were not even self so celebratory, as the Vladimir Putin sees it, and there wasn't such signs of, I should say, uh, not friendship but uh, understanding each other.
1: So right, right.
2: Uh, the United States was never able to achieve uh, this level of understanding because uh, it never was interested in understanding Middle East. So this is why West currently losing its grip over the region and basically lost it. And if you look at Israel, Israel is pretty much the only uh, country which can be called stronghold of the Western influence. However, I don't think that Russia was trying to show some sign to Israel because Russia was always trying to have a good relationship with Israel no matter what. Even uh, when uh, the israel palestinian conflict started, Russia supported Palestine independence it's it offered many ways to find some peaceful solutions so russia wants to show science to united states but not to israel
1: well there you go look the western audience uh, who are tuning in uh listening to you as a crimean political scientist i'm sure have uh, many questions and guys on youtube on uh x on tntradio.live Any questions which you want to leave right now in the questions section, I'm happy to read them out on the air. It's a good opportunity to ask a question direct uh, to Crimea, to a political scientist who has a fully uh, pro-Russian perspective, of course. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that because many people watching and listening want to hear the pro-Russian perspective. If you don't want to hear the Russian perspective, you would be turning on CNN or Fox News or watching the mainstream media and listening to the garbage uh, that they spew out. For example, when Joe Biden said Putin is more isolated than ever. I mean, I don't see Joe Biden getting a reception like that uh, overseas. Now, mm, let's go move on now to the uh, topic of the uh, Russian elections president putin today said without western aid ukraine will collapse in one week uh that is very very true in my opinion uh his ratings are higher than ever i think the russian people now are rallying uh behind him and now even those who doubted vladimir putin's decision to uh, begin the special operation can see that this was the correct decision to make this was the decision that uh, ultimately, uh, in the long-term game, the long-term uh, scenario, uh, has turned out to be a complete Russian victory. Uh, locally, geographically, uh, in terms of uh, the Russians' position, Russia's economy, stronger than ever. Russia's military-industrial complex, stronger than ever. Russia's reputation internationally. Russia's friends now rallying behind Russia. And, of course, Russia now knows who its friends are, which countries are its friends, and which countries were just there uh, uh pretending to be friends? You know, one of the countries which uh, was always neutral and took the opportunity to sort of stab Russia in the back is Finland. The Baltic states, also very cheeky. Look how much money and weapons they gave 40% of their uh, weapons went to Ukraine. Although uh, these countries, the Baltics, Finland, uh, they had an insignificant impact on the actual conflict, they actually exposed themselves. And put themselves now in a heightened risk of danger what do you think and will russia uh, ever retaliate or how will it retaliate how will it fix the historical uh wrongs which these countries such as the baltic states finland and other small states like chihuahuas uh, you know what a chihuahua is it's a little dog Uh, the chihuahuas barking at russia while russia was distracted with ukraine how do you think russia will eventually uh, deal with them and deal with that sort of insolence and that uh, really uh, treacherous move to, to uh, supply Russia's enemies with weapons and enter into military packs against Russia while Russia's Russia was you know seemingly distracted. But of course, we know Russia was never distracted. I think there was full control. Special operation is going as planned, and Vladimir Putin is simply just a 3D master chess player.
2: Well, so this question has many aspects of it. So first of all, when we talk about Baltic states and Finland, uh, we need to uh, understand what's the problem in those countries. So especially the Baltic states, the way they treated uh, ethnic Russians living on their territory who were living there for well, centuries. Those people were treated as the second-class citizens and their status as the second-class citizen is pretty much solidified in uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia as a law. So for ethnic Russians living there, uh, life beca- became, becomes much more difficult in the every months. And this aspect is of course, is of always considered in Moscow, because Russian government sees this. And of course, it's trying for uh, people to get their repatriation in Russia, uh, but, of course, there are some aspects which uh, might need influi- Russia's influence. And uh, considering the Finland, Finland committed act of treason in, wo- in which way? Of course, Finland never was an ally to Russia, and uh, well, since it got, got independent, of course. And it never gave any solid uh, promises besides of course, the words of the politicians. So. Finland was staying neutral as far as that was reasonable. And this still would be reasonable. Well,
1: Finland was neutral since 1945, and they managed to stay neutral through the whole duration of the Cold War. Uh, Through the whole duration of the Cold War. And only uh, in 2022 did they finally find the balls or the arrogance or, or they coerced or tricked. I mean, what do you think it was? Uh, how did they withstand joining NATO for so long, and then in 2022, they renounced their neutrality? So, uh,
2: in independence of Finland, which was secured after the World War II, even though Finland participated in the war as the uh, Nazi Germany ally, uh, it was given an independence, and it stayed independent, of course, considering the fact that it would not provoke Russia, no, then than Soviet Union and later Russia, uh, in any aspect securing, well, uh, global security for Russia, and uh, Finland stayed this way. Soviet Union could have uh, invaded any time it wanted, but there were a lot of ways uh, which, uh, in which the Soviet Union and Finland cooperated. So the Finnish government, for the entire duration of Soviet existence, was able to find a way to cooperate uh, and to stay geopolitically neutral. And what happened in the previous year, when Finland decided to become part of NATO, I believe that the situation is actually quite simple, uh, without uh, extremely uh, depth uh, origins. I believe that current uh, political elite of Finland was easily bought by the Americans. I believe that there were some promises made Surrounding, I shall say, financial aspect of uh, uh, of such a deal, which of course would never be publicly explained. But I think that uh, Finnish politicians were just bought by the United States, and they decided to make a move and to become part of NATO. However, uh, they also made uh, a lot of moves to legitimize uh, Finland becoming part of NATO. Uh, I Mess up some uh, some uh, uh, numbers, but as far as I remember, there was a lot of statistics surrounding uh, Finnish people's support to join NATO. So in uh, February of 2022, uh, only uh, uh, 20 25 percent of Finnish population supported the idea of becoming part of NATO. However, uh, by the autumn of this year of the 2022. Fifty-three percent supported this idea. Okay, so can I ask is... you now? Do you Hello.
1: think the Finns? Do you think the Finns regret? Regret now that it's obvious that Russia has won uh, the special military operation and they have completed what they set out to do, and no one's going to stop them. Do you think now the Finns are regretting, in some capacity, their behaviour and their decision to renounce their neutrality on Russia's borders?
2: So. This is what exactly I was planning to mention further. So 53% supported uh, only after the huge propaganda campaign by the Finnish government explaining that there are uh, some, uh, I shall say, mythical uh, uh, aspects surrounding Finnish security. And of course, uh, they were uh, depicting a scary concept of Russian invasion, of course, believe that russia had no interest in invading finland because well it had an entire century to do so but it didn't after the world war Two. and people were scared the government tried everything
1: i guess the answer to that question is a simple yes they do regret it we're going to be back with more right after the break stay tuned we're going to talk about the russian presidential election coming up we're going to ask sergey who is a political scientist from crimea his prediction on what result Uh, We can await on March the 17th. You're listening to TNT Radio. Don't go away. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Uh Uh-oh. Someone on the staff of Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas screwed up big time. She's running for mayor of Houston. And, well, before we get to the details, here's how she treats her staff or has treated them in the past when they screw up.
0: I need to uh, ensure my... uh and, uh, you know, Boo did it, Shit did it, Fuck Face did it. And nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office. Okay, now watch this. Houston, I've spent my entire career fighting for you. From fighting to keep our kids safe from guns when I was on city council. To my days in Congress fighting to protect women's reproductive freedom. And for funding for our police, schools, and small businesses. Now I'm running to be your mayor. Because if we're gonna bring down crime, fix our streets, and bring good paying jobs here, then Houston needs a champion who's ready to fight for what's right, and I am.
1: Did you see that at the end? It said, vote on December 7th, let's put that up. Vote on December 7th. Problem is, the vote is on December 9th. Let me say it again, Uh uh-oh. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14 and I watched her struggle but MDA helped her get the best treatments and care. And they also help kids like my buddy, Ethan.
0: My name is Ethan and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've
1: treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at mda.org today.
0: Telling telling it as it is, the Ozzy Cossack on today's News Talk,
1: TNT Radio. Welcome back to Saturday Night Live, uh, with your host, the Aussie Cossack, 2000, year 2000, the presidential election which uh, brought Vladimir Putin to power. Of course, he succeeded uh, President Yeltsin, who resigned on the 31st of December 1999. Uh, his uh, succession of power was legitimized with the, his first election on March the 26, 2000, where he won with 53% of the vote. Uh, In 2004, Vladimir Putin won the presidential election with 71% of the vote. And then in 2012, after serving as prime minister from 2008 to 2012, Vladimir Putin was re-elected president again with 64% of the vote. Uh, 2018, the last presidential election, we saw Vladimir Putin come to power, he had uh, approximately 77% of the vote. And now in 2024, in about four months' time, uh, the Russian population will go to the ballot boxes once again to cast their vote. And the prediction on Trinity Radio tonight, which we'll come back to in four months, uh, what is the prediction? Sergey, political scientist from Crimea, very experienced person in Russian politics. What do you think will be the result? uh if you could call it early right now what would be the percentage you predict that Vladimir Putin would gain in the 2024 March the 17th presidential election
2: well if we uh, talk about the elections which will happen you know, after four months I also think that we shall look on the sociological sociological studies of the uh, Vladimir Putin's support in society because uh, many uh, uh, many organizations uh, studied uh, this aspect uh, of Russian society, the support for the president, and uh, as far as I can see, uh, most of the, them gave the results uh, of uh, putting support in society uh, well, amongst the entirety of Russia uh, being higher than seventy percent I believe that in some regions, it uh, goes as, uh, as far as being almost 90%. So, in my opinion, we will see some results uh, close to being 80 percent, if the current 80 percent uh, uh, for Vladimir Putin, uh, if these those tendencies will
1: stay the same. So you think 80 percent of Russians will vote for Vladimir Putin? Well, that's your uh, prediction. We'll come back to this in four months, and we'll see how close you were, how Well, let us know in the comment section if you're listening. Uh, what do you think Putin will get? in the elections uh we're going to be in australia where i am campaigning uh for two things um, getting closer now with four months t- till the russian elections we'll be campaigning firstly for a very at least a higher voter turnout than usual and the second thing is of course uh campaigning for vladimir putin now sergey why is it important uh that we have a high voter turnout a uh, uh,
2: small question you mean uh, in uh, entirety of elections, or you mean specifically Australia and
1: uh, Russia? Oh, well, you can answer both questions. Let's start with entirely and then Australia in, specifically.
2: No. Uh, high attendance uh, to the elections is always a sign of its legitimacy, of course. Technically, Russian elections are uh, they don't have a minimal attendance, and so they would be legitimate anyway. However, uh, in the modern Russian history, there uh, was no situation when, uh, I can, when uh, the attendance was like too small for it to be considered illegitimate uh, by the society, I mean. So, the people here, they attending to show that they, uh, they consider uh, government to be legitimate. So, every vote technically shows not only support for a specific candidate, but support for the institution and for the government as it is. So this is important to, for every citizen to show their sign if they consider uh, any uh, participant in the elections if he wins, him to be the legitimate president. This is aspect considering Russia as an or I shall say this is probably works for uh, every election in every country because legitimacy is based on people's trust for democracy's institutions. But if we talk especially uh, uh, about Australia and Russian citizens in Australia, uh, uh, this this uh, probably be uh, uh, justified for uh, every country where which has a big Russian diaspora. Oh, well, relatively big, of course. I believe that people uh, shall, even if they uh, live in another country, but they keep their citizenship. There is a reason why they keep the citizenship. So, if they uh, haven't completely broken their relations with their country of origin or the country uh, of which they obtained citizenship, uh, they also shall express. Well, this is completely my opinion. I believe that they also shall express. Uh their, uh their opinion about who shall uh, be in charge of Russia and to show the belief to the uh, democracy institution to show that they consider this to be a legitimate
1: uh, okay let me let me tell you something now and this is a message specifically for certain people and those people who hear this message know exactly who I'm talking to in the 2018 presidential elections the Australian uh, voting uh, electorate In the russian presidential election there was only a few thousand that attended even less which is already a big problem furthermore 60 only about 63 percent voted for the president this election is coming up i am going to make it my personal prerogative personal goal i'm going to put in whatever resources it takes whatever time it takes whatever energy it takes uh, to deploy people on the ground, to agitate, to promote, to campaign and to get the numbers as high as possible, to attract as many Russian voters as possible, Russian citizens. And uh, that's my uh, pledge on the air tonight. Those people who are entrusted with these types of tasks, usually in a normal situation, have shown in the last two years during the special military operation that they are weak that they are unpatriotic, that they are cowardly. And so I believe that they will not rise to the occasion. I'm happy to put in the effort, rise to the occasion. So you will see over the next few months in Australia, a very, very loud and strong campaign agitating uh, for the Russian presidential elections. It'll be a larger than life campaign, larger than usual. Everything from core flutes, signs, flags, concerts, music, uh field kitchens uh, we'll we'll go all out because we want to show full support to the russian president and show that uh, there are people in australia who are staunch in that regard staunch in their support and i invite all volunteers who are interested in getting behind this effort to uh, email me intel number 4ac protonmail.com intel for ac com or get in touch on tnt radio Uh, Follow the link, send me an email. You can contact us on tntradio.live. If you want to be a volunteer, you don't necessarily have to be a Russian citizen. You don't have to be an eligible voter to be a campaigner and a volunteer uh, manning the ballots uh, on 17th of March. And in anticipation on 17th of March 2024, we'll have plenty of action uh, in uh, Australia in regards to the russian presidential elections so there you go a little message for those people that need to hear that for those people who in my opinion just are ineffective in their work and their approach uh sergey how do you think it'll be received uh, in russia in your circles when we have a very strong and loud and effective uh, campaign for president putin in australia
2: i will be honest to you that that might be quite a surprise in a way that honestly Uh, People in Russia are not often thinking of of Australia uh, as the part of the world where uh, Russians can be quite politically active to represent their country of origin. However, there is also a joke in Russia saying that there is no place in the world where Russians have never uh, lived. So because of the amount of our people abroad, uh, this might be quite an interesting example to show that uh, uh, that there is uh, not only negative tendencies on people living in Russia, but also there are positive ones. What I mean by that is that uh, after the special military, uh, military operation began, uh, some people uh, decided to leave Russia and they showed very negative. Uh, opinions of the and yes, a- the, and those traders, the- those
1: negative opinions are exactly the ones that uh, will be uh, upset at our uh, open and strong displays of patriotism. Sergey Milnychuk, political scientist from Khmer, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure, it's been a massive show. Four hours Saturday Night Live. You've been listening to the Aussie Cossack and watching the Aussie Cossack on TNT Radio. Have a great evening. Until-